God's grace, God's mercy, and God's peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. From our first reading today. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power and what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple, and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. This is our lesson. Maybe you live in a different world from me, but I don't know how often you've heard this phrase in our skeptical society, no good deed goes unpunished. Has anybody ever heard of that one? No good deed. It reflects that negative feeling that so often when we, out of just kindness or the need, we reach out and help someone, and all of a sudden there's a critic. Why did you do that? What motivated you to do it? Is there, what's in it for you? Rather than just simply enjoying the fact that good was done to another human being. So often we stop and we help, and someone criticizes us or even will sue us because it's none of our business to get involved with someone else. People have a hard time accepting that we would do something kind for someone, especially if that someone is an outsider or someone they can't think is important at all. Our lesson from the book of Acts records just a situation where Peter and John, shortly after Pentecost, found themselves in prison. They were put there by the leaders of their society, leaders who didn't like and couldn't tolerate this new teaching that they were sharing with people, and above all, this teaching that was bringing countless people to faith in it. They had tried to get rid of Jesus, but now the disciples were proclaiming that Jesus had risen bodily from the dead and that appeared to them and they made no bones about it that they were going to make sure that every human being in history would hear of the good news of God's salvation in Jesus. But why were they in prison in the first place? That's where our first lesson starts. What had so upset the temple guard and the Sadducees? And incidentally, we missed a verse on, I just want to be a sheep. I don't want to be a sad, you see, because they're so sad, you see, which really suits them in many ways. They were upset with Peter and John, as I said. The whole city seemed to be coming out in faith. Acts is full of those little phrases that says, and God added 5,000, 4,000, 2,000 to those who believe in a day. They didn't like it. It was upsetting them. And they had good reason to be afraid. On one level, we might say it was simple jealousy. But beyond the jealousy, there was something more. If they too believed in this new Jesus, their politics would have had to change. Their morality would have had to change. And their power over the people would have to change in how they ran their city and their nation. Their worldly agendas, like all politicians, would have had to change. For after all, they were, in many ways, politicians. And they didn't like change then or now. And they certainly didn't like 
Jesus. The Sadducees were especially disturbed because as our text opens, they came to listen to Peter and John who were proclaiming Jesus, the resurrection of the dead, bodily from the dead. This really challenged the teachings of the Sadducees who believed that there may be a God, but there was no life after death, certainly no resurrection bodily of the dead as the followers of Jesus were proclaiming. The problem was such a new teaching was giving the people hope, the very people they despised in their poverty and in their sickness. And as the people get hope, there was an increasing distrust in them as the leaders of the people because they held spiritual and political power in Jerusalem. In anger and out of a desire to discredit the new group, they used their power to get them locked into prison out of sight, out of mind, they thought. But that didn't work either. For our text records, even though they were put in prison that night, 5,000 now came to believe. You couldn't stop it, even though they tried. Now the next day, as our text records, they brought Peter and John before them. That is, all the movers and the shakers, the hoi polloi, the politicians, all gathered Peter and John before them and addressed and said, by what power or what name did you do this? Do what? We might add if we didn't read earlier. What is this this they're talking about? For that, we have to backtrack to the day before. Just outside the gate of the temple, there was a spot where daily a man crippled from birth was carried. He was carried there by his friends to beg for a few coins to buy food and lodging for him. He'd been crippled since birth. When Peter and John came by as he had done all his, he did as he had done all his life. He asked them for money. Do you have a few coins for a poor cripple? He'd done this thousands of times and probably been rejected thousands of times. But today the response was rather unique. Look at us, Peter said. Peter wanted to make eye contact with him. And in that instant of eye contact, he gave that man value and meaning and purpose. I see you. I see you in all that you are. And I see and I want to take time to be with you. And I'm sure the man thought, I'm going to get some good coin today. But then Peter said to him, silver or gold I do not have. But what I have, I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Now to cut a long story short, he did. He got up, he was healed for the first time in his life. And it wasn't just some sort of fake thing because there were thousands of people around to observe this great miracle done by Peter and John. For the first time he got up and walked and the first thing he did was follow the disciples praising Jesus for this great gift to his life. The word spread and these followers of Jesus had that Jesus power the word spread that these followers of Jesus had the power to heal and they even cared for the lowliest of the low of city of the city. Now, why were the Sadducees so sad, you see? Because the disciples could do something they neither understood nor had the power to do or even cared to do, frankly. 
They never cared for the poor, the sick, the maimed. They only cared to protect their position, their power, their authority over these wretched people. This message of resurrection was undermining their position and their authority. And so their first reactions was, how do we get these people to change what they're speaking so that they no longer cause us any trouble? Sound familiar, doesn't it? How do we change them? How do we force them to quit talking about Jesus? How do we quit force them not to talk about the resurrection and the victory over death? What happens next is really important. Were they being persecuted as Christians? Yes, they were. Were they being treated fairly? No. Did they shout that they were being persecuted? No. They simply answered the question. Peter took the opportunity to answer their questions with a clear and powerful proclamation of the gospel, not changing his teaching as they wanted, but making it clear to all. It is by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, by whom God raised, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. It's not me, or it's not John, but it's the power of Jesus that this man stands before you today. Deal with it. That's my part. I just added that. Deal with it. He uses this opportunity to speak, and in speaking, he is a model for us today as we too often find ourselves before a society which seeks to quiet us or asks us to change our teachings and we speak clearly the same message as Peter did and John did. For we have no choice. It's the truth. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we must not be naive. If we but look around, we still have problems with the same Sadducees of today people who want us to quit and change our proclamation of Jesus as Lord, whether it's a provincial cabinet minister in educating in our schools or a federal government that says, because you are Christians and you won't change your teachings, you are no longer eligible for certain programs that are provided to all other nation, all other people in Canada, but not to you, because you won't give up this nonsense about Jesus. Now, we can get all bent out of joint about being persecuted or in our own way or another. But what Peter does is an insightful model for us. Rather than wring our hands or shout or moan, what he does do is he stands up and he proclaims boldly the gospel of Jesus Christ. What a wonderful example he gives to us. And we remember now, that as we follow the good shepherd into the world, he gives us the very strength to do just that, be his followers. The lesson also reminds us of another detail of the text, the healing of the cripple. I'm reminded today and celebrate the work of Christians here and around the world who are willing to go to the unpopular, to those who the society ignores, to those who governments and powers and principalities ignore, and go there and be loving, caring people to those around them. Certainly, we don't always get it right, but often we are criticized for caring. Isn't that funny? Criticized for caring for those that no one else cares about. Why do we do it? 
Why do we stand up and proclaim boldly the gospel? Why do we do these acts of kindness to people? And in the end is why? Jesus. Because Jesus rose from the dead, he died for our sins, he has forgiven us our sins, and he gives us the power to go forward in his victory because nothing, nothing can hold us back. To those in power, those who themselves have decided to hold only to the vestiges of religion, it is a challenge and will always be a challenge to those who are offended of a God who died, who forgives, who gives strength to hope. Are there any modern day examples of Peter? I could not cite a better example than what was broadcast on national TV from Humboldt, Saskatchewan a few days ago. Any of you see that one? It's probably the most significant proclamation the gospel this country has heard in decades. The chaplain gave a powerful testimony, a powerful testimony to Jesus as savior, as our strength, as our hope for those who are grieving. We, he said we need Jesus in order to cope with what has happened. Now I'm sure throughout there was a lot of Sadducees, and as I saw the video panning by the highest politicians of this land who often take trivial shots at Christian faith, I was celebrating that perhaps the word of God and the Holy Spirit would take root anew in those who lead our nation. God uses his people in the face of tragedy to proclaim his word. He has done it in the past. He is doing it now. He will continue to do it in the future. May we follow the good shepherd as he gives us voice, as he gives us life, to serve him with love. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hi. Pastor Sai here. I hope this message was encouraging for you. At Riverbend Lutheran Church, our goal is to support Christians in their daily walk with God and in proclaiming the love of Christ to a lost and broken world. We're a small and inviting congregation welcoming any and all who are sinful, hurting, seeking, or simply broken. Whether you're already a Christian and are looking for a church home or you're undecided about your faith and looking for answers, you are welcome here. We have a number of programs for all ages and walks of life. Sunday mornings we have worship followed by educational programs for all ages. Please join us. For more information, you can visit us online at www.riverbendlutheran.com, call us at 780-430-7382, or email me at pastor at riverbendlutheran.com. Better yet, stop in for a visit. Until then, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace.